Because you want to live in the forefront of your times, in ideals and in sacrifice, you have elected this. Live from Madrid's Boulevard, it's Paul and Ray! Hi, Welcome to the quarterly podcast, <laughs> otherwise known as Paul and Rach. How are you, gorgeous? I'm good. Namaste. Oh! <laughs> yes. I, uh, I'm back and we should begin the podcast by saying that um, just before we fired things up here, we had a, another defining moment in our relationship. Oh. <laughs> now, this was one of those moments where, okay, like ours is, ours is about as familiar mm. as non-partners can be. Yes, yes, You yes. know, short of seeing you naked, I've seen it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by that I mean, I saw you put a stool sample <laughs> in a bag and then put the stool sample in the fridge. First things first, on the behalf of everyone else who lives here, <laughs> f*** you. How can you put it in a communal fridge? Okay, this is the drama. A, the issue is that the souvenir I brought back from, from India was Deli Belly. So I've gone to the doctor today because I thought it's time for the antibiotics. It hasn't passed through. Things might be getting a little serious. Now, I went to the doctor. I get the antibiotics, which, by the way, you know how they always say you're not allowed to drink on antibiotics and everyone's like, mm, whatever. The doctor says to me, you're not allowed to drink on these antibiotics. I was like, okay, fine, no dramas. So then I went to the pharmacist and he said, you know, you're not allowed to drink on this. I said, no dramas. The doctor okay, thank told you. Me. Yeah, yeah, I'm being it, told here three yeah. times. And he said, no, 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 I cannot stress this enough. We've had reports of people dying. And I was like, oh, that is serious. Like, that's the most serious thing I've ever heard with the old drinking on antibiotics. I just thought it was a little, oh, they're a little less effective or you'll get drunk quicker. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was. They don't work. You know, you'd sort of wash out their effectiveness or something. Me too. But no, these are some sort of super antibiotics that'll kill you. These ones, apparently I might die if I Or do you reckon that they've just turned around as sort of as some sort of like anti-drinking strategy? (laughs) The message has now gone out in the medical fraternity. Time to scare the shit out of people. <laughs> Mate, don't drink on these Panadols. Yeah, they said... It'll kill you. I've gone into that doctor's surgery a couple of times in the middle of the day. I think they think I'm an unemployed alcoholic. Yeah, exactly, exactly, you know, exactly. Like, so anyway, I did the courteous thing after I went to the doctor and I walked around for 45 minutes trying to mm. cultivate something so that I could go to it there and hand it straight back lots in. Lots of water, lots of water. Just yep. try and push that thing I out. had a banana. I was doing it all. <laughs> I was sort of trying to eat something. Yeah, nothing happened. So what could I do? I had to come home. And the first time that it came on was just in the middle of our conversation. Dumb and question, though. Why the fridge? Because I have to keep it cool, don't I? I'm not Under gonna... what other circumstances do you chill poo? <laughs> Like, presumably, they take the same bit of plastic, they lay it out, and they do what they need to do. I know, but but because I'm not going to be there for a while to hand it back in, I I don't want, like, whatever it is they're testing. I think they're going to conclude something is really wrong with you, that you're producing frozen poo. (laughs) Or that you're like a dog, like it's going to be white. You're going to hand over this stiff, white sample, and they're going to go... She's got rabies. <laughs> the booze was the least of her worries. Yeah, exactly. But let's talk about the magic of India. Oh, yes, yes. What was it like, sweetie? There's a lot of interesting things about India, some of which you already knew before you turned up there and some of which just defy logic. Okay, can I ask yes, no, and then we'll get into the detail. Okay, yeah. First things first. In India, yep. do they have Indian restaurants? 
only in hotels because that's where the foreigners are. Right. So normal people, mm. it's just Raj's place? Yeah. Well, normal people eat in very... I mean, they do have Indian restaurants, but they're more like what we would call a hole in the wall. It's like a stand right. that you go and you see. It's very basic. But a restaurant in terms of what we understand a restaurant to be, the Indian restaurants are the good Indian restaurants are in hotels because Indian people cook Indian all the time, so they don't go out. But do you know they have, like, Italian? I mean, of course, everybody likes different yeah, yeah, cuisine. Yeah. But when I was over there, I was like, Indians like Italian? Like, this is rubbish. Just, yeah, this just seems very weird to me. And the mm. other thing they really like is a multi-cuisine menu. Oh. They love a... a fusion. A, not a fusion. They love a, this restaurant serves Indian, Italian, and Chinese. Wow. Like, like a mixed business like of a, food. Exactly. And my thought is... I feel that you should pick one cuisine and do it well. You know, I just feel if I can get a Szechuan chicken and I can get a penne arrabbiata and I can also get a butter chicken in this restaurant, I don't know that you're really doing any one of those three things particularly well. Well, and also, let's be honest too, is that there's a little bit of mixing of the streams that's unnecessary in that, let's be honest, you do feel a little bit uncomfortable if it's an Asian cooking pizza. Yeah. You do feel a little uncomfortable <laughs> yes. if it's the Indian bloke yes. making the Chinese yes. and vice versa. Exactly. You know, I know it's old school, but there's yeah. something about that. There is. You don't, yeah. As you've said before, you don't feel like they're getting into the groove correct. of the. <laughs> yeah, correct. You're not feeling that they're at one with it. feels yeah. a little more learnt than lived. Exactly. A little the more learnt than lived. That's and secondly, great. second idiot question mm-hmm. uh, the poverty factor. Yeah. Like our sense of it is awesome hotel and then one street behind that, terrible stuff. I didn't witness so much of that. That there is a lot of poverty in Well, you got helicoptered in. I did. I didn't look out the window, Paul. (laughs) But the thing that I noticed in every kind of community that I went to, because we spent a lot of time sort of in like little villages and small communities and places where people were living really, really basic, those people are happy. Happy as Larry. Happy as Larry. Now, in the cities, it's a different story. It's pretty sad because of a lot of the lights and stuff. You've got a lot of poor kids and a lot of homeless kids. We went. On, we did this walk-in deli, which was run by a group that have contact points throughout the city for, kids, for lost kids to come and basically get fit because there are like thousands of street mm. kids, thousands. And you know, the most shocking thing that I learned from this little walk was we live in an area where if you lose your kid... You go to the policeman or the kid goes An to Amber the policeman. Alert. It's on the radio. Exactly. It's on the radio. There's a manhunt and you're reunited. The chick at the, that took us on the walk basically said that, you know, a lot of the kids come to the city because they see a Bollywood movie and they think they're going to be famous and they basically leave. There might be trouble at home and they leave as well and so they end up living on the streets. But one of the main things that happens is that people get disconnected from their parents. So people go, they go into... You get lost train, at the shops or something? You get lost at the shops and their population is so big that you can let go of your mum's hand on the train and never see them again. Wow. Because they have all of these gangs with, that look for kids who yeah. are lost and that, and try and entice them into this kind of... Into gang life. Into gang life. It is so difficult when you live in the kind of society that we do, and thank the Lord baby Jesus for that, to even know that this can happen anywhere in the world. How many parents listening to us right now are booking tickets to India? Just going, <laughs> oh... Little uh, little Michelle. <laughs> she is a handful. You know, some of the most amazing things from the entire trip, and this is going to sound racist, but it's not. Oh, how could you? Nobody stares like an Indian man. <laughs>
I cannot tell you. <laughs> what, just into the distance? No, at you. At, at pretty white lady. As a, as a white lady, I mean, you could be pretty ugly, doesn't matter. You are just different. And hey. I'm. we're going into different places like Delhi and, and big cities where I'm thinking, you guys have been seeing tourists for a million years. You were run by the British. Like, you know, you haven't never seen a white person before. But hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. What? But they haven't seen this. <laughs> they haven't seen, whoa, what's this? Specimen. God took an extra day to build this oh, one. Come on. So what happens is that they look at you. Now, there's a few things that happens. The first is they look, and then you do what we do in normal everyday life, which is look back at someone looking at you and expect that they'll experience that moment of like, oh, that's shameful, I'll turn away. They don't turn away. They continue to stare, and usually the stare is accompanied by an open mouth. Oh, <laughs> wow. So it's literally like... Oh. Look at the lady. <laughs> like that. And they just don't stop. The other thing that they do is we would be sometimes having photos, me and plus one, and all of a sudden you would just feel this arm and there'd be an Indian <laughs> bloke next to you and his mate is over there taking a photo of the three of you. And I was like, what is this business about? He said, it's a really big thing for Indians to go back to their friends and say, this is my Western girlfriend or this, these are my Western mates. So they'll have a photo with you and tell their friends back home that you were one of their mates. Well, I'm like, on, but we're really, looking over there and he's looking over here. It's really important for me to pretend I'm dating Jennifer Hawkins. <laughs> like, but yeah. you can't just walk up to her and put her arm around I her. I know, but this is what that is. That's what they do. There's wow. just absolutely zero. I like, admire the leering, though. I've told you this before. I've got to this stage now because I'm a you know very well married, uh, but you know somewhat unattractive man. <laughs> is that you know young beautiful things mm. as they walk past, they look right through you. So I just look right back and just wow, look at that. But what happens when they look at you and you're leering? Keep going. What? Hold that gaze, baby doll. No. Hold that gaze because if they feel something for you, it's better than nothing. And I would prefer to be. <laughs> Revolting <laughs> than ignored. <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. What about souvenirs, though? Did you go like to the you know the Indian souvenir shop? Didn't shop at all. Did not shop. Did not shop. Oh. I just I don't. I'm not really big on the whole shopping when I get to somewhere. People tour guides were always saying it to us, "Is there anything to buy?" But the thing with me is, I don't do a great deal of research, much to plus one's chagrin, before I go somewhere because I like to just take it as it comes. So hang on. So if we were interviewing a celebrity, mm. you'd research up the yin yang. Yeah. You're going to a foreign country. Yeah. For like three weeks. Yeah. Meh. Don't do it. I'll wing it. Yeah. Which one can actually kill you? <laughs> well, we'll see when the stool sample comes back. <laughs> but I do absolutely no research. But I always think the tour guide book, you know, the Lonely Planet, yes. you know, uh, Time Out, this sort of yeah, thing, yeah. where, okay, it highlights this, that and the other, but I can't help but think that there's some favours, a little bit of exchanging, because why pick this market over that market? Why pick this yeah. district over that district? Mm. I'm not saying they buy their way in, mm. but I avoid those little guides because I think, well, no, no, that's somebody else's decision. Yeah, and I think that the only way that if that was actually the case, the one place in the world that you could get away with that and get away with it super easily is India. I'd tell you what, grease in the palm is 
absolutely stock standard. So over how did there. that go? Yeah, yeah like, were you in little sort of moments where you got uh, pulled over by a security guard and you've just gone, oh, well. We were lucky enough to have basically a guide with us the entire time, but there was one moment. I'll pop a photo on our Facebook page of the truck that was driving mm-hmm. 120 k's an hour the wrong way down <gasps> the highway because it couldn't be bothered U-turning. Wow. If you get pulled over by the cops, you just pay them and it's fine. The other thing is the, they overload lorries like you would not believe. The number of lorries that are like on the side of the road, axles broken because <laughs> they're so overloaded it looks like a comedy sketch because if the cops turn up, you pay them a bit of money and they go. But the only personal experience that I had with that was that we went to one of the monuments and there was a snake charmer doing a bit of a, the old snake charming. There's one at La Perouse. <laughs> You went a long way to go and see what you can see. Not that far from here. So I went and had a look at the snake charmer, and he's doing his usual sort of busking affair. What was the snake? A cobra. (laughs) No! But you know I love the old... I love reptiles. I'm a big fan. I'll I'll have a bath in snakes. No drums. No, not cobra. Oh, yeah. Not a cobra. That's the the worst of them all. It's strikey. Yeah. Rattlesnake shit me too, but the cobra. But see, the thing with the cobra... Was it in a basket? It was in a basket, of course. They did the whole kinkaboodle. But the tour guide said to me, do you want to have a photo with the cobra? And I stupidly said, oh, the thing's poisonous. And he said, how do you think they sit there all day with this stupid thing? They take the fangs out. It's got no fangs. They remove its fangs so it's not poisonous. Oh, no. So I went and had a photo with the cobra and this dude while he's doing the snake charming. I'm hanging on to the snake. Oh, I'm more scared of this than literally seeing you put a shit in your own fridge. (laughs) No. (laughs) Really? This is freaking me out. No. I, this is disgusting. Oh, so how I, close? No, but did you touched it? I held the oh, snake. Jesus <laughs> yeah. So hang on. This is a country that looks the other way about axles falling off the back of cars. Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to trust that the bloke has removed its fangs. That's an excellent point. <laughs> but yes. Jesus <laughs> Christ. No. But so I'm sitting there, I'm holding on to it. And then I t- we took a few photos and I was like, great, fantastic. Then this cop comes over and starts talking to the snake charmer. And I said to our guide... <gasps> Oh, please tell me that I haven't got him in trouble. He said, no, 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 the cop's just coming and um, asking for his cut. <laughs> I was like, what? It's the dodgiest thing you've ever... I mean, the whole economy runs like that. So you're saying India is mm-hmm. a great place to lose your kids, <laughs> the road safety is questionable, yep. and the police are corrupt. Yeah. Good luck getting back. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the guys on Twitter at Paul and Rach. Look, we might just keep going with a bit of India gear because there's plenty of stuff to talk about. There's more than a billion stories, Rachel. <laughs> well done. So we did a lot of, you know, we saw a lot of the lower end of the socioeconomic scale, but we also saw a lot of the higher end. And I tell you what Indians love, over-service. Really? Yeah. I don't know whether they've got it in their head that Westerners really like to be served mm. or whether, I mean, I saw some pretty pompous rich Indian people like acting pretty poorly towards the service because I think when you have that as a matter of course throughout your life, which we as Australians don't, but the thing about the Indian over-service is it can just be a little intrusive at times. So we stayed at a place called the Imperial Hotel in Delhi, which is a beautiful, beautiful hotel. And they have on every single floor, like an attendant for that floor. Now, I don't know whether he sees the camera in the elevator or whatever, but as soon as you step out of the elevator, 
Chummy's out of his room going, Ooh. hello, is there anything well, I can... that's creepy. Very creepy. Now, Plus One and I went out and had a morning swim. So we say hi to Chummy. We go and have a swim. We come back and our room's made. And is we're like, name oh. actually Chummy? No. <laughs> I love it if it was. Please tell me. How it's... do you settle on Chummy? I don't know. Old mate, Chummy. Right, okay, Chummy. Right, okay. Chummy. So, <laughs> I know, Rajesh. No, 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 no. no. Keep going with Chummy. I chummy. like Chummy. Okay. So we come back and the room's been made. And Chummy comes out when we've come back from the swim. And he's like, I've made your beds and I've given you fresh towels and everything. And we're like, thank you very much. That's really lovely of you. So... We go in and we have a little shower. We race down to breakfast. We come back in, Chummy's back out again. I noticed you had a shower. I've given you fresh shower. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. This is all a little too much. <laughs> so then we go in there. Plus one and I have a little time before we have to go somewhere. You know, we just have do a little business. We get down, we go downstairs, we do something in the hotel. We come back, Chummy's back. He's gone in after we've done the business to remake the bed. Oh, and oh. like give it was just And he's walked in and said, mm, I noticed that plus one fell asleep first. Would you like me to finish you off? <laughs> Keep the guys up on the Paul and Rage Facebook page. What's the deal with twitches? People who like oh, people birds. that go off and do the bird thing. Yeah. Yes. We accidentally went on a birding walk. We thought it was a hike. But what it ended up being was an fifteen elderly people walking around a track for two hours that Stop. was Stop <laughs> Look up here. Exactly. Stop. Look up here. Stop the, and you go, oh, God. The track genuinely could have been done in seven minutes, but it took us two hours because it was stop, start, stop, start. Look, that's the – and oh. we'd see the same – and I'm like, we've seen that one. Why do we want to look at it again? And the the honest-to-God interest that these people had. The when, excitement. They like, were, they excitement. Were all in, like, all quick in. on the binoculars, like, running, oh, my God, where is it? I can't see – you know, and I think – it's a bird. And then, you know, the, the genuine disappointment. Where, oh, God, it flew away. Well, of course, what else is it going to do? It's a bird. It's a bird. I don't understand. And then, you know, there would be like a guy that would come and show us the bird in the book. And I was like, this is uninteresting. This yeah, is correct. genuinely uninteresting. And we talked to some of the people there who said, oh, you know, we didn't used to have an interest in birds, but now we do. I'm like, well, I can't imagine ever in my life turning that switch like you know you turn a lot of switches you turn off the party switch you're like i don't want to go out until 3am anymore i want to go home stay home on a saturday night you turn on the married with kids switch it's like oh i'm really happy to settle down now i Mm. think i might want children in my life i cannot imagine the birding switch ever turning on in my life i'm never ever ever not ever no never ever going to be interested in birding. Okay. I think there will be a time in your life when you've run out of all the other courses <laughs> in the world. <laughs> That's true. Want to stay in touch? Head to the website, paulandrache.com.au. There's one hobby that is even more perplexing to me than the world of birding, and it is, and oh, I'm going to annoy so many people in my family, but I've got to say it. Well. The pursuit of one's family history. Oh, genealogy. Now, oh. my mum is bang into it. My yeah. sister-in-law bang into it. And I'm not having a go at them for being excited by it. But is there something wrong with me that while I am intrigued, I don't really care four people back, yeah. five people back, six people back. I'm interested to know the origin yeah, and, you know, my grandpa's grandpa. Yeah. And that's about it. But I'm also really weirded out by DNA pride. Like, if your great 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 <laughs> grandfather. What a great term! But you know, like, your great 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 grandfather was 
a scientist who developed some unbelievable thing. Like, that's not your glory. You know, like, the the element of that left in your genes is so minuscule. Like, I'm always amazed at that sort of, well, uh, you know, my great-grandfather was a, you know, insert impressive thing. It's like, big whoop. That's not you. Well, I'm (laughs) impressed by your grandfather. Yeah, and I get that sort of, you know, general interest. I mean, my mum was exactly the same. You know, she would be on the microfiche, you know, like (laughs) looking through, scrolling through records, trying to find out who was coming over on the first fleet and where we owned land Mm. and who was who and who. And I have have no interest in it whatsoever. But then it's also this thing where there are different ways, of course, you can do it. You know, there's the Ancestry.com or seriously, (laughs) DNAPride.com. That's really clever. That's really clever. It also works as a gay sort yeah, of it does. You know, activist site. It does. You know, or a killer's. I don't think it'll register it now yep. before this podcast okay. goes up. This kind of plays into that whole thing, which I find a bit weird too, because I've always had quite a small family. Like our family's never been one of those families that hangs out with cousins and uncles and aunts and the extended family. It's always been very small. I've never... Slash cut off from the rest of the world. Slash cut off from the rest <laughs> of the world. That is true. I've never understood that idea of, you know, people who go to a different country and will just stay with a cousin they've never met. Oh, or the people who have, uh, and I've got to be very careful with this because this is some family <laughs> politics, some people who look, that there is a clear line of relation but there's a bit of an expectation that they're allowed to stay with them whenever they go, yeah. or they have to put them up. Yeah, you know, you don't, they don't have to. No, not at all. I would never in my life turn up to England with and, and knock on a distant relative's door and say, "Could I stay there?" A, just because your family doesn't mean you're not batshit crazy. Correct. Just because your family doesn't mean that I need to be such a tight ass I can't pay for a f-ing hotel. But that's the whole thing. But also, what you give up. By staying with friends or family is the pop-in, pop-out yeah. thing. I'm doing this for now. I'm doing that for now. Instead, you're on their clock. Yeah. So dinner, will you be home for dinner? I don't know. But also, they're on your clock. Exactly. Like, you're just lumping into their house and then all of a sudden, you know, sorry, we wanted to go out for lunch, but instead, we've got to show you around Cornwall. Yeah, but, but we've got to show you... The same stuff we drive past. Like, I was actually thinking about this last night, driving over the Harbour Bridge, going, this is awesome, you know, to to a tourist. But to Mm. me, it's just another bridge. Yeah. I've never gotten the... And maybe that's just because I don't have that sense of sort of extended family and, you know, I should be reaching out to people. But the idea of just hitting somebody... Like, they're a stranger. Correct. You know, they're like a if you total want to stranger. Hang with a mate somewhere, yeah. or if you know the mate, or you know, you're rekindling a friendship. Fine, 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 mm. fine, fine, fine. However, mm. the only thing I will say about the second cousin thing: if you make it to second base, <laughs> you ain't illegal. <laughs> so while they may be a stranger, they may be a new friend. Follow the guys on Twitter at Paul and Rach. Rach, while my travels not at all as as exhaustive as yours. <laughs> I have been to the other side of the world and back since we started, uh, since we podcast last. I think you went in, to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I think it was March, our last podcast. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah, that's it. Now, yeah, I went to Abu Dhabi. Now, this opportunity came up out of the blue. Do you want to go to the Grand Prix? Yes. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Let's just, before we get into Abu Dhabi, talk a little bit about your new obsession with car racing. I know that we, I mean, we did, you know, the gig on Triple M and we did Bathurst and we went to the V8s and things. And I knew you had, you know, a passing interest. Mm. Abu Dhabi is a long way to go. I mean, that's commitment to the cause. I think it's it's becoming my main sporting focus. Right. It is becoming the one. I'm going, you know, I'm a motor racing guy. 
Like, right. I've always liked the big events. Now I'm starting to get into the lesser events. What is it about it that you enjoy? Because oh. we've had a conversation a million times. I know it's loud, but it's just cars going around a track. Yeah, but it's engineering. It's about risk-taking. It's about pushing okay. yourself a little bit too far. Okay. And it's that thing. It's like, you know, it's the idea of, okay, you do something in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Can you do it in 29 and a half? Can you do it in 29? Can you do it in 28? Okay. So is it cars going around? Mm. Of course. But... It's the nuances that I'm starting to get quite obsessed with. And I've got to say, the access I've been given, luckily enough, through the telly and whatever, mm. um, Holden, amazing. Yeah. Like, you stand in the garage. Yeah, yeah, And when the Nissan people, they said, oh, do you want to wear the headphones and listen to what oh, we're wow. telling the driver? Okay, that's so cool. that's the intimate experience. Mm. But anyway, um, Eddie had the, the airline got in touch with Sky News and said to the boss, hey, do you want to come and join us at a bit of a hobnob for a couple of days? The boss said, look, I can't go. Do you want to go? I know you love your your motor racing. Hells yeah. Wow. Why wouldn't you? And I've gone, all right, so what do I need? It's a week off. No, no, you'll fly out Thursday. You'll get there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You leave Sunday night, come back Monday for Australia. I've never gone anywhere over. I've gone to New Zealand for a week. Wow. That's so rock star. Correct. And I've gone, rightio. Anyway, we get there. It's, you know, look, the thing I like about Abu Dhabi is when they discovered oil 50 years ago, they made shitloads of money out of it, that they decided to build something with their country. They didn't just have a royal family, shitloads of military and kill all the little people, mm. you know. But money's really over the top. Oh, yeah. They seem to be very big about impressing you. Not with service like in India, mm-hmm. but about how expensive everything is. All right, yep. So literally, we're, we're being shown around as some cultural tour, an art gallery. Mm-hmm. And we go to an art gallery and, and the man stands in front of the art gallery and apologies for the impersonation. <laughs> okay. Send all complaints to somebody who gives a f***. Okay. But uh, this guy says, this is number one richest female artist in Middle East. I said... But is she any good? (laughs) (laughs) Richest. All they cared about saying was how big and beautiful everything was. And that's fine. But when you're out to impress, Mm. you don't just have five-star resorts. You don't just have six-star resorts. They had a seven-star hotel. What's the extra two stars? I have no idea. Like, what more can you really do? Well, the the thing was, it's this thing called uh, the Emirates Palace. And it was apparently a palace... Built for the royal family who walked in and went, mm, rooms are too small. Yeah, Sorry. Of course, yeah. So we're, we're out of here. Mm. It's now open to the public. So maybe because it's a palace or maybe because it has a gold vending machine. What? You can put Bullion. $50, $100, $150 into a thing and it'll spit out a gold coin. You literally can vend gold in this hotel. No. Pretty amazing. See, I thought that we got to the the pillar of it with the pillow menu. Yeah, correct. You know, like I thought that was getting the point where we're like, okay, now we're really just pushing the limits here. We're looking for something to be over service. As soon as we've got a a menu for the pillow. But the thing that I loved about Abu Dhabi more than anything else, Mm -hmm. oh, they love smoking. Oh, I knew you were going to Oh, baby, no, they love smoking. (laughs) And Shani said, you know what? No restrictions. Go nuts. Go nuts. So I went nuts. You could smoke in here, in there. When you when you go like to the beachside resorts, at the bar, you just have a little smoke. Highlight though, mm-hmm. absolute highlight of the smoking part of the trip. Yeah, I got to smoke, and God love you, Eddie had. I smoked a full massive cigar in the lounge at the airport, and stubbed, walked out, and sat on a plane for fourteen hours. 
stinking like a steak. Uh, God love you, Abu Dhabi. Hit the guys up on the Paul and Rach Facebook page. Sadly, we have come to the end of our podcast. Uh, Rach with her barley belly. It's not barley belly. Deli belly. Deli belly. Which I'm assuming is the same thing? Uh, yeah, it's pretty much exactly the same thing. You've just held it all in. You've held it in for the best part of an hour. Well I know, done to you, I know. young lady. Thanks. The stool sample's about to be rushed off to the doctor. <laughs> As we go towards Christmas, I wanted to just get your final opinion here on a small matter to do with the news, uh-huh. that a Greens MP yesterday mm. has joined this thing called No Gender December. <gasps> Don't buy your children gendered toys, i.e. girls get pink, boys get blue, because... It reinforces stereotypes, and stereotypes eventually lead to disempowerment, and disempowerment leads to domestic violence. Bullshit. This was fishing what? for what? the front page, if ever I have read it. And I think essentially the message at its core has some kind of relevance because, yes, the idea that you can only play with Barbie dolls if you're a girl and Tonka trucks if you're a boy is Crap. ridiculous. Crap. But this bullshit of walking in and saying, you know what, we should just generically advertise, like good Luck, lady. But to me, the campaign's slightly pointless anyway. Last time I checked, Barbie doesn't have a vagina <laughs> and Ken doesn't have a <laughs> We'll see you next week. You're listening to Paul and Rach.